Merry Christmas. It is just uh, exciting to be here, uh, not only because of the holiday and everyone's dressed up, uh, but it is just a joy to see the faces that we are in the spiritual battle with, that we're fighting every day with, holding each other's arms up, uh, fighting our way to heaven. So give yourself a round of applause for making it through another year. And... How amazing is it to have the harp up here? I mean, Caroline was amazing. That was awesome. We had the accordion up here. The tree is beautiful. People are dressed up. How about the spoken word piece? Thank you to Christine Hall for writing such a brilliant piece for those that performed it. Um, also, it was really neat earlier uh, before we got started with service today. Uh, if you remember back to the last couple of weeks on our Wednesday services, uh, we took up a free will offering to be able to say thank you with some gifts to the Time Center staff here. And we were able to present that uh, to the amazing staff that works behind the scenes all over the building. And uh, they had tears in their eyes. We had tears in our eyes. We're so grateful to be here. So can we give a big round of applause, say thank you to the Time Center staff. We're so grateful. Thank you. There, uh, earlier when Al was making the announcements about this is the last time we'll be in the time center for the year, there was a lot of people gasping, wondering if that meant, does that mean we're never meeting here again? No, we are back here for 2018, starting January 7th. So it's just... Just a couple of weeks off, and then, and then we'll be back in action. Let's uh, be opening our Bibles and turning to Matthew chapter 2. We'll be reading the Christmas story there and working through that text throughout the message. And if you don't have a Bible, just scoot up to someone that does. I will not be showing this first text on the screen. So you definitely want to see this up close and personal. So share a phone or a Bible with someone next to you or download it real quick uh, if you can. You know, for me, the Christmas story never gets old. I love Christmas. Uh, I have been hearing the Christmas story for 40 years and I love it every year. I love the holiday season. I love the spirit of giving. And yes, I do like to receive as well. Just to be honest, uh, the holiday is rich with history, uh, the narrative, the characters, the plot development, the adventure, the mystery and the impact of what Christmas means for us today. And uh, I want to show you a video clip here in just a second, uh, because although many of the main points of different interpretations of the Christmas story are the same, there are some specific things that sometimes uh, change a little bit. And so I want to show you a little clip of how that happens and some different interpretations of the Christmas story uh, at this time. An angel came to see Mary. She was doing laundry. And then the angel just appeared and she was really scared. And Mary was like, I'm not going to have a baby yet. I'm only a teenager and I'm not married. Mary is not lying. She, you are having a baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's old town. They tried to go to a hotel and they asked the keeper um, for a place to stay. The keeper said... We have no rooms, literally no rooms. The only place in, here in Bethlehem 
him that that you can stay stay as a staple, and then he just pointed the way, and they followed. Then the shepherd said, "I think we should go there and meet him." The second, I think, said, "Yeah, I agree with you." And the other said, "Yeah, me too." They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes. Why they heard about it? And then a star appeared. Well, we should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, and have at home. Some diapers, and some wipes, and some milk, some shoes, some Jordans. God, thank you, Vladimir. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's gonna be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby I ever seen. No, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is gonna change the world. I love it. They filled in the gaps a little bit, in case you're wondering about certain details. Uh, I do want to thank my 11-year-old son, Jaden, for editing that video. Thank you very much. You did a great job. Let's read together in uh, Matthew chapter 2, starting in uh, verse 1, and uh, get the Bible to help us fill in all the gaps. All right. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews. We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And he quotes from Micah chapter five, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of, Ju of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report it back to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. We'll stop there. You know, Matthew's version of the Christmas story starts and ends with these wise guys. Who were they? Who were these wise men? As we talked about last week, we don't know exactly how many they were. The Bible doesn't specify because there were three gifts. We think there were three of them, but there could have been more. We're not sure. We, there's a lot of things that we don't necessarily know about the details, but we know some things. We know they were from the east. No, not Astoria or Montauk, but probably Babylon or Persia, a little farther east. Historians actually trace the Magi back 
to the court of King Darius about 550 years before Jesus was born. So I want to ask you a Bible question for you scholars out there. Who do you think was the poster child, chief, maybe founder of all the Magi under King Darius? The prophet Daniel. Coming together, right? If you don't know, read through Daniel 5 through Daniel 9. You'll read a little bit about what these guys were doing. I mean, this is the Daniel of Daniel in the lion's den, the writing on the wall, the interpreter of dreams. And Daniel prophesies uh, that Jesus is coming. He predicts the Messiah would come, that he would be holy, that he would forgive sins, that he would be killed to save the world, all before the destruction of the temple, that he would have an everlasting kingdom. These are all made over 500 years before Jesus appears. Commentators even say there's a prophecy pinpointing the exact day of Jesus being announced to his people as Messiah from Daniel 9, 25. These were a group of leaders. They were governors. They were medicine men. They were advisors. They were consultants. And they also studied the stars. They were astrologers. And one of the things that they came to believe is that if a new star appeared in the sky, one that they had not seen before, then someone very important must be born under the land of where that star is shining. This is something they believed hundreds of years before the star appeared over Bethlehem. So fast forward 550 years, there's a new star in the sky, and these magi in modern Iraq basically decide to follow it. And I'll show you a map later about their journey. And the main question I want to ask you today, given this great story, an important Christmas question for us all to answer today is which star do you follow? There are a hundred billion stars in our galaxy and thousands more galaxies beyond ours. But when you look up in the sky, probably not in Manhattan, but if you look up in the sky when it's dark in a place perhaps north of here or south of here, east or west, where you can actually see the stars in the sky, you can see about 5,000 visible stars with the naked eye. And the Magi had studied every one of them. They plotted, they mapped, they recorded, they archived, they added, they subtracted. They watched the stars carefully because they believed that it gave them signs about our world. So when a new one popped up, you better believe they saw it. They felt that it was important enough for them to pack their bags and make the journey over to Bethlehem. Now, a lot of people jump when they see stars as in stars, celebrities. Raise your hand if you've ever seen a celebrity. Up close, personal, not on TV. Okay, fair amount. Any of you ever act in a way that you didn't think you were going to act when you saw that celebrity? Raise your hand. You don't have to share. All right, a good portion. Uh, we hear stories about people fainting at the sight of one of their favorite celebrities. We hear stories about all kinds of things. Screaming, uh, begging to get a selfie, uh, autographs, you name it. Can I just hug you? Can I touch the hem of your garment? We love our stars. We love to be people near people, uh, of great influence. And actually psychology today reports research about a syndrome, CWS, the celebrity worship syndrome, compulsive pathological desires to be near these great people of influence. Now, I lived in Los Angeles for many years, and often I'd be in Hollywood and walk over uh, what they call the Walk of Fame. There are over 2,600 celebrity stars uh, there on the sidewalk. Anyone ever been there? 
You ever step on top of one or do you avoid it? Okay, no, of course, out of respect. They're famous entertainers, actors, uh, musicians, directors, groups, uh, you name it, they're there. And uh, a star is kind of like a sign that you made it. It's like a big deal. And do you want to guess how many people visit these stars uh, every year in L.A.? Anyone want to guess? You think a million? More? 1.5 million? So 10 million visitors go visit these stars every year. See, following stars wasn't so unique from 2,000 years ago. We still do it today, right? And uh, I want to share with you a little bit about uh, me and, and my young, younger years um, falling in love with an incredible musician, dancer, performer. His name was Michael Jackson. And, you know, when I was a young kid watching, you know, Michael perform or listening to his songs on the radio, um, there, there was this quality of greatness. In my opinion, I know art is, is subjective, but in my opinion, perhaps yours too, there was something amazing about this great talent. And so as I was listening and I'd catch glimpses of a music video or a poster or something like that, I would want to adopt anything about this guy that I could to be able to live vicariously through his greatness. And the number one thing that I wanted was, was this exact jacket. So unfortunately, I never got it. I pined for it. I literally prayed to Jesus for this jacket. I didn't get it, but I'll I'll show you what I got. I got this cool shirt. That is a keychain. I don't think he had a keychain, so in one way, I had a little bit of a better quality thing going there. I could hang my keys. I did have the zippers there. I was showing off my guns a little bit more back then, I guess. And you know, you can tell that I love this shirt. And one of the biggest ways you can tell is that during that time in my life, um, I had some, some different teeth issues. I was very embarrassed about it. So anytime I was in front of a camera, I would never smile showing my teeth. But because this special day, I got to wear this jacket, uh, this, this, this whatever, I don't know, this cloak, I don't know what you call it. I was smiling. I, uh, I wore this cloak for a very long time. And even when... It was so short, it looked like a halter top. I begged my parents if I could still wear it, and they said no. We, we get into this mindset. We, we allow this, this influence of, of perceived greatness to, to brainwash us, to believe that just, just let me have a little piece of that. And I'm willing to do pretty much anything to get that feeling. You know, when we think about some of the celebrities, the stars of our era or eras past, uh, I think about some of the stories I've heard about them. You know, David Beckham, they have a statue uh, in Japan on an island of David Beckham, and they worship it every day. Literally, people get down on their knees, go to the statue and worship him. In Thailand, there's also a statue similar to that one in Japan, 
And this one they put right next to the Buddha. And so they go and worship both David Beckham and Buddha side by side. You know, you know who the next person is next to Beckham, right? No, her name is Beyonce. She's a singer uh, amongst many other things. If you haven't heard of her, 33 year old uh, Robert Williams raced from Connecticut to New York City. He was on his way, he thought, to meet Beyonce at the George Washington Bridge for an imaginary date. He had a teddy bear and a bouquet of flowers in the car, and he even stopped to get directions from cops. Sped away so fast that he ran over a sidewalk, almost nailed one of the police cars, was arrested, and even when he was arrested in handcuffs, asked, can you please escort me to my date with Beyonce? This is another version of crazy in love. (laughs) Who's the next person in the middle there? That is not Johnny Depp. That is one of the thousands of lookalikes who roam the street every single day living as Johnny Depp. There's so many, in fact, in Los Angeles, they have a contest. You know who the next person is? Paula Abdul. A man wrote her letters uh, from prison, writing every day, I'll be out in 120 days, I'll be out in 119 days, I'll be out in 118 days, I can't wait to be with you. They did not know each other. I can't wait to spend time. Had tattoos of Paula all over his body, got out of prison, went straight to her house in order to be reunited in his imaginary fantasy. And of course, he was arrested that day. And we know this last guy. That's Brad Pitt. Anthea Rolando broke into his home, fed his dogs, and slept in his pajamas. Now, these are extreme examples. I don't think anyone in here has the same problem. But you still have to ask yourself, which star do you follow? When you make decisions in your life, Who, what is in your mind about why you're making the decision that you're making? When you purchase clothing, what what star inspires you to choose? Is it something modest or something showy, something revealing, something practical? What image is in your mind as you make these simple decisions in life? When you're building a relationship that that you're hoping goes further than just friends, who is it in your mind that you're imitating? What model, what example, what rom-com plays in your mind as you're following the steps of your star? When you choose your words, which star do you use as an example of how you're going to speak? I have to admit, I have to concede, I have to confess, I am a child of media cultural influence. I grew up watching television and movies just like anyone else and, and took the lessons I learned to heart and really and desperately, as you saw from my Michael Jackson affair, wanted so badly to imitate what I thought was popular, was great, which was peop- what people liked. And I remember whether it was Jackson or Brad Pitt or Denzel or Michael Jordan trying to be like them in all the decisions that I made. I remember even in high school, I changed the way I spoke to sound like Luke Perry from Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> I know several people in the room have no idea what I'm talking about. It's okay. It's a, it might be on reruns. I, I probably don't recommend it at this point. But um, he had a little bit more of a, like a, like a raspy. Like. And I thought, he is the coolest guy on the show. I need to talk like that. And I did. 
I, I didn't think it was funny. I think other people did. Fill in the blank. I want to look like blank. I want to sound like blank. I want to act like blank. I want to joke like blank. I want to wear shoes like blank. I want to walk like blank. I want to spend money like blank. When a company's trying to sell a product, what do they do? They do a commercial with a star. A celebrity, a star. I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm talking about the way we process. They have, of course, automatic credibility and influence. If they're drinking a Coke, somewhere in the back of my mind, I think, man, maybe I should do the same thing. Even if we think the concept of being persuaded by real people who play fictional characters is ridiculous, our brains are still logging the images in our subconscious and come back when we're in the store and we're thinking about what we're going to buy for the Christmas party. We log that information. We make decisions based on what we allow to influence our lives. You know, when the wise men looked up into the sky that night, there was no competition to the Jesus star. They chose his star over 5,000 others. There was no contest. And in the same way, spiritually, we have to imitate the wise men and decide that there is no contest. There are thousands of other people, thousands of other influences, thousands of other books out there and things that can influence me. I'm going to decide to follow the star that I came to church to follow. That is my star, the star of the Bible, the star of Jesus. You know, the trip to Bethlehem was a huge deal. I want to show you a map. I promised one earlier. And this is, this is a modern day map, and we're not exactly sure where they started, but this is the route from Basra to Bethlehem. It is a 325 hour walk, about a thousand miles. That's an amazing expedition, folks. That's a big deal. That's not, I'll be home tomorrow. That's like, see you in a few months. This is like Magellan and Lewis and Clark. This is huge. And these were pagans. These weren't Jews. They didn't know the whole story. But they still wanted to worship Jesus the King. It's amazing even today how even some people that don't call themselves Christians are still going to celebrate Christmas. In fact, studies show that 95% of a survey that was done for thousands of people over several years, 95% of Americans will celebrate Christmas this year. 95%. Probably like me, you've had people who are Muslims or Jews or Buddhists wish you a Merry Christmas. Jesus' impact and influence reaches far outside the boundaries of religion or culture. And media is powerful, but I believe that the Messiah dominates it in ratings. You know, Jesus' book is still a bestseller. There's more art, books, and songs are written about him than any other person in human history. The encyclopedias and histories of humanity have more pages on Jesus than any other person. He's got street cred. He crosses social boundaries, political lines, rich, poor gap, all colors. Jesus is able to do that unlike any other. The whole way that we track time and run our calendars is because of him. It's 2017. It's about to be 2018. And whatever acronyms people want to put on it now, it's in the year of our Lord. Marked in time by Jesus. And I got to remind us of this. The smaller stars will come and go. They will be born and they will die. But the star of the Savior is here to stay. The wise men knew it. We know it. I love this uh, t-shirt that I've seen recently. I've, I've seen it online and people wearing it. It says, wise men still seek him. Are you counted among these wise men and women who still 
seek him. Are you willing to travel like the wise men were? Because it can get hard to travel in New York City. Can I get an amen? amen? Obstacles, traffic, human traffic, subway, snow, all the craziness that is New York and parades that you've never even heard of that are all of a sudden blocking your life. <laughs> but we still decide to follow the star. We follow the star because he saved our lives. We followed the star that showed us truth we had never seen before. Forgiveness we never thought possible. We're loyal to that star. We will travel for that star. You know, wise men back then, they, they didn't have a trail. They didn't have a guide. Or they didn't have a map exactly where they were going to go. They didn't know it was at the end of the journey. They just knew they had to go. Did you feel like that when you first came to church, started studying the Bible? I am not sure what the end of this journey looks like. Maybe some who are visiting church or studying the Bible. You're like, man, I'm not really sure. All I know is this, this group is, is pretty loving. They love to hug. They love to sing. It's pretty diverse. They, they love the Bible. Okay, I'll give it a shot. And then a few weeks go by and a few months go by and you're still here and you're going, wow, I think I like it. And then you make a decision. I want to follow the star for life. It's not about the church. It's about him. It's about what's above. You know, it's a prestigious honor going back to the, the stars we talked about earlier to receive the, the star on the on the sidewalk in Hollywood. And, you know, you can't just write your name down and chalk. You know, the rain will wash it away or someone will scrub it out. It's a bigger deal than that. And actually, they started many years ago, about 50 years ago. There was a fee associated with getting the star and either you would pay it as the recipient or the people nominating you for it would pay for it on your behalf. You want to guess how much the fee was about 50 years ago? $2,500. Pretty penny. What do you think the fee is today? 40 grand. $40,000 to get one of those stars. See, people spend money on their stars. You know, there's going to be $3 trillion spent on Christmas this season. That's about 20% of retail sales in the U.S. for the whole year is being spent now during this time. We're going to go see movies. Anyone already go see movies? Any Star Wars fans out there? No. Do not spoil it for everybody else, okay? I know you want to talk about it. Just be careful. Um, Jumanji's coming out. I want to see that one. That's looking good, right? Greatest Showman, Ferdinand, some good movies coming out. But, you know, I was thinking about this idea and just sort of the, the war that happens in my heart about who influences me and how I follow Jesus or how the world tempts me to follow it. And I feel like the real Star Wars is happening in our hearts. You know, which star are we going to spend more of our time thinking about, more of our money on? Is it Jackman or Jesus? Is it Dwayne Johnson, the rock of WWE? Or is it the Christ Messiah, rock of ages? Where are we going to go? Where are we going to invest? Because so easily we can get tempted and sucked away and brainwashed by all the influences that we don't even realize we're making decisions based on. And if we follow the star, it doesn't make sense that those of us who are members of the church would give less contribution over the next few weeks. In fact, it would be the opposite, right? If we're following the star, 
then whether we're meeting in small groups or in Harlem or whatever, I've left everything to follow the star. I'm going to find a way to give. That's my commitment to the church. But these are the little things that we base our decisions on. You know, one thing that's interesting about some stars is they, they keep moving. Jesus' star actually moves, you know, it starts in Jerusalem. They go there, they're trying to figure out. And then it says it moves on to Jerusalem in the Matthew 2 text uh, on to Bethlehem. And it seems like it goes to the specific spot where Jesus is going to be born. But then it does what when it gets there? It stops. The star stops. It had a clear path. It was moving. And then it landed on Jesus. You know, the stars of our world are always changing, right? You look at the years of Time magazine covers and you're going to see from scientists to actors to astronauts to politicians, amazing things that people have done. But the point here, not to take all those amazing things away, but those are lesser stars. Those are part of the 5,000. Jesus is the one, the special one. These stars of the world are a revolving door that's unstable ground. Our star stopped on God's son and he's still there today. The wise men also followed the star through trouble, through trouble. There's a lot of great conflict in epic stories like the one in Star Wars. And we got a chance to see it. And I won't say a word, but it reminds us of that epic struggle of the soul in our own hearts. And these guys, 2000 years ago, they went through threatening kings, mobs of Messiah haters. I admire these guys resolve. When we take time over the holidays to do some spiritual reflection, notice I said when we take time. Not if we take time, it's going to be busy. You've got things planned. You're traveling. You're doing all kinds of shopping. You're going crazy. We must take time to have some spiritual reflection. What have I learned from the year? What has God taught me this year and where do I want to go? But when we do that, I pray that you can reflect on this, this idea to be like the wise men that I will war. I will not allow any obstacle to prevent me from following my star. I love the scripture in Romans chapter eight that talks about this concept of being tied to our Lord. It says, who's going to separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, the future, nor powers, height, or depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's a powerful bond of love that we share with our Lord. This is our great Christmas gift to Jesus, is giving our lives to him every day, to his brand, to his messaging, to be his followers, to follow the star, to give him our resources, our time, our treasure, our talent, and to give him our last breath. That till the day we die, we say, you know what? I went through trouble. I went through hardship. There were many obstacles. I fell sometimes, but I got back up and I'm making it into the pearly gates of heaven because I followed the star. That is the goal. That is the desire. That's the prayer. Who should have found the Messiah? 2000 years ago. Should it have been men who were not Jews, who hadn't heard the story, who didn't know about all the history a thousand miles away? Or should it been the religious, 
the Jews, the follower of scripture, the readers of prophecy, five miles away in Jerusalem. Just five miles north of Bethlehem was a city with all the ancient wise men who knew the scriptures, but didn't see or want to follow the star. My friends, beware of becoming religious. Sometimes Jesus is right next to us, but we're looking elsewhere for answers, looking elsewhere for security. We're looking at our traditions. We're trying to find security in our ambitions, our paychecks. You're not going to find it there. We're definitely not going to find it in the paycheck. And when the wise men finally found the star, do you remember what they did? They were overjoyed. I'm going to close with this idea. They were overjoyed. In Matthew 2, 10, it says they were overjoyed. These, these intellectuals, these academics uh, here, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the translation in the original language it was written. Matthew wrote this in Greek. And this word for overjoyed, they actually can't find a direct translation in just one word. It's so packed with rejoicing that it's actually four different Greek words compounded into one. It's like a combustion overdose of being overjoyed. It's joy over and over and over again. You know, imagine a, a PhD who's older, who's wise, who strokes the beard, who has scrolls and is very, you know, sort of conservative in their behavior and speaks with a cool head and never really gets too excitable. But then all of a sudden, in a moment where his body is taken over by this amazing experience, jumps for joy. It's Jesus. It's the Messiah. We travel a thousand. You ever get at the long end of a long road trip? And you're just like, we made it. You kiss the ground after driving your legs asleep. It's smelly in the car. It's so smelly. <laughs> you breathe the fresh air. Oh, we're here. This is that moment times a thousand. You know, one of the lessons of Christmas that we can learn from the wise men is we ought to be the most joyful people on the planet. There's no reason why anyone should be more filled with joy than us. We ought to be those people not faking it, but just laughing out loud. We should have the most like laughing creases in our face. I love seeing some of the, the more mature folks in our ministry who just have the laugh lines. I say, you've been a Christian a long time, haven't you? You've been laughing. You've been celebrating. You've been overjoyed. Because you're saved by Jesus, our Christmas gift. You know, sometimes I feel like I take myself too seriously. You ever been there? It's hard to get over yourself. You think you, you know, I'm not saying, you know, don't respect yourself and all that. But sometimes we go a little beyond that, right? And someone says something little and, ooh, that hurts. We don't have thick skin. We're very sensitive. We take ourselves really seriously. And we expect that every single other person on the planet should take us that seriously. Sometimes we got to get over ourselves, get out of ourselves to be able to celebrate. If you look at the Old Testament, it's festival upon festival upon festival. The Jews knew how to party. And when they didn't know how to party, God reminded them how to party. Time for another festival. Josh did a great job on Wednesday teaching us about Hanukkah. And we're, we're, we're in day six right now for those of us Hebrews that are still celebrating. All right. Festival of lights. Let's eat. Let's light the menorah. Let's give, give. Let's do what we can to celebrate what we have. Because it's so easy not to be grateful. 
so easy to get greedy, so easy to be jealous of what others have and we don't. So easy to look at the stars and say, they're so successful. Look at their six pack abs. Look at their wealth. Look at their mansion. I have none of that. And then Christmas gets depressing. We forget the reason why we're joyful. Revelation 4 gives us a glimpse of heaven's party. Luke 15 it says, heaven rejoices when a sinner is saved. You know, every time someone makes a decision to be with Jesus for life, to repent and be baptized, it signals a heavenly celebration. I imagine the coolest angel as a DJ in the heavenly ones and twos, just, just waiting with bated breath. And then when someone comes out of that water, boom, and the bass starts pumping in heaven. That's just my own vision. I'm not saying that's in the Bible. <laughs> Heavenly party. Maybe you imagine a salsa party. Maybe you imagine a bunch of food, your favorite food that never ends. It just keeps filling itself like some Harry Potter thing. It's beyond our imagination. And it's where we're going if we follow the star. Christmas is not like Al said, just a celebration of the birth of Jesus. It's a new beginning. It's a revolution. It's an eternal message of salvation. It's our future, our past, our present. It's beyond time. You know, a little girl was asked one time, did you get what you wanted for Christmas? And she answered, no, but then again, it's not my birthday. Now, I don't know if that little girl is real or not, but I love that story. <laughs> I want to say that, that that's my attitude coming in to this Christmas. You know, it's Jesus' birthday, but he brings the gift, the gift of life, the gift of joy, the gift of eternity. I want to close in Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. He writes, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Amen. We get to reflect the greatness of Jesus's star as we follow him. Let's bow at this time as we pray for the communion and get ready to honor him this Christmas. Father in heaven, we are indeed grateful to be able to be here right now in this moment, in this room, with these thoughts in our head. We are grateful to be alive. We are grateful to be here. We are grateful for all you've given us. We're grateful for the trials and the pains that we've gone through to get to this point. We know that they have shaped us to be who we are. God, I ask that you help us to continue to follow the star that we would see that all other, even great things in this world, as beautiful and successful as they are, are lesser stars than you. Father, help us to be loyal, to travel, to give our money, to do whatever it takes to imitate the wise men as we follow you in our discipleship to you. God, we ultimately thank you for your birth, also for your death on the cross and your resurrection. And we celebrate right now and we truly mean that word. We celebrate with joy in our heart to be able to remember your ultimate sacrifice with the cup and with the bread. 
We ask that you will honor this time as we take it and that we will honor you this Christmas season. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.